Well, if there's anything good that might come out of 2020, I hope it's the end of the four-team college football playoff. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you as the bowl games are set. We'll talk about them. We'll rank them coming up. And as we get it rocking and rolling on a Christmas week, you know it would be a great Christmas gift from you to me. How about leaving me a rating and a review on this podcast? And my token of appreciation back to you is a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get you that Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Don't you worry. I've got one coming your way. So send me a screenshot, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. But I want to start big picture. I know the Big 12 did not have a chance of making the college football playoff after Oklahoma beat Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game last week. Uh, But this thing is done. This thing is over. The college football playoff has got to come to an end. You know, I started this website five years ago, heartlandcollegesports.com. And and it started off with me just uh, being a guy with a computer, not having any idea what I was doing and not realizing actually how much I would fall in love with this website, with this process. It went from five people reading a day to now tens of thousands in a given day. And it's been an amazing ride, an amazing journey in terms of how we built this show up from being, you know, just a podcast with a few listeners to now thousands of listeners to multiple radio affiliates. And it's because of you that this has happened. But since day one, since Baylor and TCU both got screwed in the first college football playoff after the 2014 season, I have been harping on the failures of this college football playoff since day one. And it was never more evident than in the first year. And we knew it was going to stick around because it was working for the people in power. It was working for the Ohio States, the Alabamas. I Think about this, right? Think about what happened that first year. And we were told that, well, you know, uh, TCU, Baylor, they didn't have that 13th data points. Now, the Big 12 was dumb to not have a conference championship game. So they shot themselves in the foot a little bit. But we were told that that was the reason Baylor and TCU didn't get in. And that Ohio State did that year. Even though, you know, TCU blows out Iowa State in that last week of the regular season back in 2014, 55 to three, and fell from three to six. Even though, you know, Baylor was dominant, dominant that season, had beaten TCU in the head to head, had taken care of Kansas State in the last week of the regular season, who was a top 10 team at that point. They beat them 38 27. They beat a top 10 team, and it wasn't good enough. You're telling me if that was Oklahoma or Texas, that would have happened? Would happen to TCU or Baylor? I don't buy it for a second. I don't. Then, all of a sudden, a couple of years later, we had teams getting in. We had teams getting into the college football playoff that had not played in that 13th data point game. We had Ohio State in 2016. We had Alabama in 2017. We had, who else? Oh, Notre Dame in 2018. Notre Dame, who was getting 
who hasn't joined a conference, who didn't play that 13th data point, but was 12 and 0. Fine, they were 12 and 0. But all of a sudden, that 13th data point didn't really mean anything, did it? Or it depends on the year that it means something, right? Is that how it works? I'm just checking. This thing has been a colossal and utter failure. For every season, it's been in existence. And if there's any good that's going to come out of a, a bad year on so many fronts, the death of the four-team college football playoff would be a great place to start. A great place to start. And I hope it happens. I'm not confident that it will. Because like in politics, people in charge, people in power, they don't just give it up. Like once they've got a system that works for them, once they've got a system that works for the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States of the world, uh, why give it up? And you can throw Oklahoma in that category and Texas in that category. That's fine. You can do that. You probably should do that. But why give it up? You know, I'm not convinced that even if Iowa State won that game, I'm not convinced the Cyclones would have gotten in. In fact, I believe they would have given the fourth spot still to Notre Dame, who got waxed by Clemson. And all the talk about how, well, Notre Dame beats, they beat Clemson earlier in the season. Do you think that if Trevor Lawrence was healthy in that game earlier in the year, the Irish would have had a shot? They only won that game because Trevor Lawrence was not playing in it. And I thought the whole point of the committee was to use things like that in a way that the computer system could not in the BCS days. A way for reasonable people to have real conversations and say, you know, we just saw what Notre Dame really is when it goes up against Clemson, a healthy Clemson, a Clemson team that has its likely number one overall pick in the NFL draft quarterback in play, which it did not have earlier in the season when these two teams hooked up. I thought that was the point of the committee. Not to find an excuse to get the brands that they want to get in into the college football playoff. You know, I'm not for a 16 team or a uh, go even bigger, right? 32 team playoff. I, I don't want to see that because to me, the college football regular season is still the best in all of sports. The fact that what happens in September is just as important as what happens in November. I love that about college football. There's always what has made the sport great. But, boy, you've got to go to eight teams in this thing. You've got to go to the five conference champions. You've got to get a group of five team in there. You've got to have some respect for the Cincinnati's, the Coastal Carolinas, who, you know what, might get blown out. But they deserve a shot. They deserve a chance. And then if you want to throw in two at-larges, that's fine with me. Or if you want to do five power five champs and, um, and then one group of five, you give two buys, you've got to get beyond this four-team system. I would go eight, and then you'd have the first round on campus, which I think the pageantry of college football is what happens on campus. That's what makes this sport great. It's not the games that are played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's not the games played at, uh, you know, the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, it is what happens on campus. It's the marching bands. It's the cheerleaders. It's the fans. It's the mascots. It's the history of the stadiums. It's the stories behind the history in the stadiums. It's all that that makes college football great. And that needs to come back. And it needs to happen sooner rather than later. I know that this contract, I believe, 
you know, with the college football playoff has another few years left in it. Boy, if they haven't seen the failures now, and if they haven't seen the failures in this year, then I don't know when they will. Because Ohio State at number three, after playing six games, is a joke. Ohio State was rewarded by the Big Ten's incompetency. Ohio State was rewarded because the Big Ten was such a joke in terms of how it handled COVID, trying to get the entire sport to shut down back in July. They got rewarded for that. They played six games. Hey, they didn't lose any games, right? They didn't lose anything. They played six games. People think they're really good. Their best win was against Indiana, but people think they're really good. So we're going to roll with it because we think they're good and they recruit well and they're a national brand and uh, they're good for TV. You know what's crazy about all this too? The talking heads on ESPN can't say anything. ESPN's got the bowl games. They pay an enormous amount of money for these games. You think that Kirk Herbstreit's going to risk his seven-figure salary to say anything? Of course not. No way. He's not saying anything. I don't blame him. You know, if I'm in his shoes, you got that kind of dough on the line. You live in a very nice life. You going to give it up? Probably not. But this needs to come from the grassroots level. This needs to come from, from me, from you, from all of us, social media. Uh, that's where this has to come from. It's not coming from the talking heads on the cable news channels or the cable sports channels. All right. ESPN's not going to have its shows talking about the failures of the college football playoff. They can't. They can't afford to. They like this. They like Alabama and Notre Dame. They see the Crimson Tide. They see the Golden Dome. And they say, oh, people will watch that. That's TV. Got national fans all over the country. They see Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick in the NFL draft. They see Ohio State, the brand of the Buckeyes. Ooh, that's good for TV. We got a shot. It's not good for anybody else. No one else gets a chance, but it's good for them. And when you're the ones and you're the company that's hemorrhaging, by the way, millions of dollars during this COVID year, you're looking for any silver lining. And maybe for the ESPN execs and the salespeople, this is their silver lining. We've got the four teams that we wanted. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So it is so frustrating, and if any good does come out of this year, it is getting rid of this college football playoff system as it currently presents itself with four teams. It's just a joke, a complete and utter joke. The Big 12 Bowl games, though, how about those? We'll rank them from uh, worst to first coming up next on the show. Well, the Big 12 Bowl games are here. They are out. And let's have some fun and rank them from worst to first. We will have a uh, special preview podcast uh, that will go up on Sunday. This will be a podcast only when I give you my picks uh, and my previews for the games. Uh, We won't be doing it on the radio, just on the podcast. So if you are a radio listener to the show Please go find us on the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And we will uh, do that on Sunday, put up our previews and predictions for the Big 12 Bowl games uh, this season. All right, let's get to it. Worst to first on Big 12 Bowl games that are taking place this year. By the way, let me just say this and preface it. 
by saying the bowl games are are very good, very, very good this year. There's a lot of intriguing matchups, all right? But let's start off with what I think is the least intriguing bowl game in the Big 12, and that is the Liberty Bowl. It's a West Virginia and Army. It was first West Virginia and Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee pulls out due to COVID. And by the way, Army should have been in a bowl game. It was a disgrace that Army was not in a bowl game after going 9-2. and two. Uh, Respect the heck out of Army. But this is a tough spot for West Virginia because it's easy to get up for an SEC team because you hate the SEC, overrated, media loves them. Like, no one hates the military academies. Like, you actually kind of pull for them. So, and they always have tricky schemes that you never see, right? Like, look at what Navy did to Kansas State last year. Now you've got uh, Army, you've got uh, Todd Monken, you have that triple off, a triple option offense, uh, Jeff Monken, excuse me. So we know that it's a difficult spot for West Virginia. No Darius Stills in this game. I don't know how motivated the Mountaineers are going to be. I hope they are and go into the offseason on a high note. But when you factor all that in together, uh, that's how I come up with the Liberty Bowl being the least intriguing, but still intriguing, just least intriguing of the bunch for these Big 12 Bowl games heading into this postseason. Now for the next game in terms of uh, worst to first in the Big 12 Bowl games. We go to TCU Arkansas in the Texas Bowl. So Arkansas is a team that right now you look at and you're like, all right, also a three and seven tied for last place in the SEC West. Uh, Not very inspiring there for the Arkansas Razorbacks, but you know what? You like this game because it brings back some memories. There are obviously the Southwest conference ties here that you got to look fondly upon. If you're an old school fan, you like that. That's fun. Uh, You know, TCU, Arkansas, you think back to, Texas, Texas Tech, Rice, SMU, A&M, TCU. Uh, So you like that about this matchup. But outside of that, you say, okay, TCU, by the way, is playing some of the best defense in America down the home stretch of the season. Uh, I want to build on that. I want to build on the offensive side of the ball going into the offseason as well. But I'm not sitting here saying, geez, I can't wait to watch uh, TCU take on three and seven Arkansas in the uh, in the Texas Bowl. I'm sorry, I'm just not dying to see it. Then, next up, we go to, this might surprise some of you, this might upset some of you, but the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State, Oregon. You know, Oregon's a team that won the Pac-12 uh, championship, but had no business being in the Pac-12 championship game. If you missed this story, what happened was Washington couldn't play because of COVID out of the Pac-12 North. So Oregon got the bid, and then Oregon is now playing Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. I just think Iowa State deserved a better opponent. I wish they would have gotten a better opponent for this game. Uh, Oregon was a team that probably would have played in a middle to slightly above middle tier bowl game. If we're looking at it honestly, now they get the Fiesta Bowl because they played in a Pac-12 championship game they should not have been playing in. I'm just, I don't find this very... uh, Now, it's great for Iowa State fans. You're playing in a Fiesta Bowl. I mean, pinch yourself, okay? But, like, am I really excited uh, for Iowa State, who, you know, is still a top 10 team, to be playing the number 25 team in the country in the Fiesta Bowl? No. I can think of a lot of teams I would have rather seen them play in this game. A lot of teams I would have rather seen them play. Heck, even a USC, right? I would have liked to see them play a, a USC. I think that would have been fun. 
uh, BYU, one of these teams that had a surprising season, not in a Power 5 conference, I would have been uh, fine with. I just, Oregon, I was kind of like, really? That's the best we're going to do? So I've got that next on my list on Big 12 Bowl games I'm excited by. That is followed by, we now enter the top three. We go to the Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma State, Miami. Now, a Cheez-It Bowl, you got to be excited by the name, right? The best bowl game name that is out there is the Cheez-It Bowl with Oklahoma State and Miami this year. I mean, seriously, who doesn't love Cheez-Its? My, my two-year-old daughter is all in on the Cheez-It game these days. So I have been reintroduced to Cheez-Its. And I'll tell you what, I don't know how I went the past probably 15 years without them. I, I'm genuinely curious how I did it. Those things are just darn good. Highly underrated. Give me those Cheez-Its 10 out of 10 times. Now, for the game, there's a lot to learn here about Oklahoma State. I want to see this new backfield. We know Chuba Hubbard's not playing. There have been reports this week, and we wrote about this on heartlandcollegesports.com, that Tylen Wallace is going to play in this game. I, I reward when top players play in these kind of bowl games that aren't college football playoff games or aren't even New Year's Six games. Tylen Wallace... Uh, is playing in this game according to some new reports. And that's exciting to me, you know, too much. And I get why guys do it. Like I don't knock guys that don't play in these bowl games because I, I don't think that's fair. I get it. They're an injury away from losing out on potentially millions of dollars in their career. So I, I don't knock them when they don't, but at the same time, when they do play in them, I praise them. And Tylen Wallace playing in this game is, is very exciting. And you think about Miami and what this team did and the fact that, um, you know, Miami has been a top 10 team this season. Before that loss to UNC, they were a top 10 team. And they finished the year 8-2 and two overall, 7-2 and two in conference play. This, this can be a really good game. And I'm looking forward to it. And um, I, I hope that both these teams want to be there, and we do get a really good matchup between these two programs, Miami and Oklahoma State. That can be a very underrated game when all is said and done. Next up, in terms of bowl hierarchy, in the Big 12 Conference, we go to the Alamo Bowl, Texas and Colorado, as the second-best bowl game I'm looking at this year. First off, I love the old Big 12 matchup. I like having Colorado. Maybe I'm a sucker, okay? That's fine. You can call me a sucker if you want. I like having Colorado in the conversation, playing a Big 12 team. I just, I just, it brings back memories for me. They haven't been the same since they left. I would, I would take them back with Nebraska if there was interest there. They also feel like a program that's kind of in no man's land out there in the Pac-12. I know they went three and one this year, but is anyone like really excited about Colorado football in the Pac-12 South? What do they talk about in the Pac-12 South? USC, UCLA, and then throw in Utah, and then maybe Colorado every few years. Uh, just the the rivalries aren't there. I, I miss them. I miss them. I really do. Maybe I'm a sucker, but I do. So that to me is nostalgic. I like that. And, you know, for Tom Herman, uh, that last game of the year against Kansas was canceled. So the lasting memory is, of course, that thrashing of Kansas State, which they needed. But I think Herman needs some momentum going into the offseason here. And uh, a big win over Colorado would, would do it. Because if they go in and lose this game and they play uninspired football, 
The naysayers for Tom Herman are going to be out in full force for the entire offseason. So it's as much as that as anything where the the way that Tom Herman will be talked about in the offseason if they have an embarrassing loss to Colorado in the Alamo Bowl will be a lot different than if they win. If they win, no one will really talk either way about it because they should win. If they lose, it's going to be a, a very chatty offseason since so many are still unhappy that Herman is coming back as the head coach. And then at the top of the list in the Big 12 Bowl matchups, I've got Oklahoma, Florida in the Cotton Bowl. And you got to go with this game because you had the Big 12 and its best team right now taking on uh, the winner of the SEC East. And anytime you can pin a Big 12 team against a top-tier SEC team, it's important for the Big 12's credibility. Uh, It's important for the conference. It's important for the Sooners. And we know the SEC has a built-in excuse of, well, our guys don't care because if we don't play for a college football playoff, we're not interested in these games. We don't care. That's what the SEC teams say every year when they, you know, lose these bowl games. But seriously, I think OU and this defense on the national stage, I think for a lot of people that maybe didn't watch much of the Big 12 this year, they are going to be very impressed by what Oklahoma brings to the table on defense. And... uh that will be a good thing for the Big 12 conference. So there you have it, ranking the bowl games of the Big 12 from worst to first. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Final thoughts coming up next. So another uh, news and notes around the Big 12 conference. By the way, I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show, heartlandcollegesports.com is the site uh, at Texas Tech if you missed this at Texas Tech they have hired Sonny Cumby from TCU to be the offensive coordinator now Sonny Cumby was a guy who was a hot name a few years ago after Trevon Boykin lit up the Big 12 back in 2014 which was Sonny Cumby's first year uh, with the program he was a hot name but the TCU offense to be honest has just it's been at a standstill for the better part of three seasons now. But Sonny Cumbie gets hired by Texas Tech to be the new offensive coordinator, replacing the fired David Yost. Now, this is a homecoming in many ways for Sonny Cumbie. He is, of course, a former Texas Tech quarterback. You may not know that. He was a 2004 quarterback for the Red Raiders that went 8-4. and four, And he had a really good season, actually. Finished with 4,400 passing yards, the fifth best total in school history, seventh best all-time in the NCAA. He was uh, an assistant coach at Texas Tech before leaving for the TCU job before the 2014 season. Now he's going back to Lubbock. Now, I, I don't mind the hire. Texas Tech likes to hire its own, it seems like. I mean, all schools like to, but it seems like Tech likes to do it maybe a little bit more than others. But this is weird for Matt Wells. Because Matt Wells is two seasons in, no ties at all to the region, to the school, to the state. Like, we all know that, right? And now he's had two subpar seasons. Some fans think he should be on the hot seat, if not gone. I don't agree with that, but that's how some fans feel. If this offense takes off under Sonny Cumbie, I don't know if it will or not. But if it takes off under Sonny Cumbie, but let's say the Red Raiders struggle next season, like, did Matt Wells possibly just hire his replacement in a weird roundabout way i i'm I'm just i'm just curious i have no insight into it i have not talked to anybody who has said as much at texas tech 
I'm just curious because that is a very interesting hire when you're already a coach who the fan base is souring on and you hire a new assistant and offensive coordinator and it's a guy who you don't really know as far as I understand and it's a guy who was quarterback of the team and was an assistant coach at the program. This just smells like something that the administration had Wells do because I don't know if Matt Wells would have fired his guy, David Yost, who he brought from Utah State and then basically said, I'm going to bring in this guy who used to be the quarterback here who people uh, long for. Like, I, maybe he did. Maybe he's just got no ego whatsoever. But I, I find that hard to believe. I find that very hard to believe. So let's see how that plays out. But that's an underrated, not underrated, but it's a hire that should not be overlooked in terms of the storylines going into next season. I can't believe we're talking about that already. But uh, in the case of Texas Tech, uh, we are. That's the reality. We are. Also, uh, Oklahoma running back TJ Pledger is going to be entering the NCAA transfer portal. I'm not surprised Pledger basically stopped getting reps once Ramondre Stevenson came back. And it was tough because he was playing really well leading up to that game. His best games were against Texas and then against TCU. And then Stevenson comes back the following week, and he never got more than seven carries in the game the rest of the season. So that, I, I, I get why he was maybe frustrated with his playing time. And TJ Pledger, a former four-star recruit out of California, is moving on from the Oklahoma Sooners. And last but not least, have us some props to Tylen Wallace, the Oklahoma State wide receiver, who, according to reports, is going to be playing in the Cheez-It Bowl. Now, here's a guy who's got an NFL future ahead of him who is going to be playing in the Cheez-It Bowl. Not the college football playoff, not a Big 12 championship, the Cheez-It Bowl. And as I said earlier, I love the name of the Cheez-It Bowl. But it's still the Cheez-It Bowl. That being said, I respect the heck out of Tylen Wallace and the fact that he has decided to play in this game and is saying, you know what? Yes, uh, of course, there's always a chance of injury. But if he actually plays in this game, I mean, it's a throwback to a day when guys just love playing. Now, I don't knock guys that don't play in these games, right? You got millions of dollars on the line. I, I don't do that. But with that being said, um, when a guy does it, I give him props. And that's what Tylen Wallace has decided to do reportedly in playing in the Cheez-It Bowl next week. So a little uh, snaps. We'll do some snaps for Tylen Wallace. Enjoy the bowl games, guys. We'll have a Sunday uh, preview prediction special podcast where we let you know my picks for the Big 12 bowl game. So Keep an uh, ear out, an eye out for that. It's coming down on Sunday. And before you close out, leave me that rating and review on the podcast. Uh, it's a nice Christmas gift to me. And then my Christmas gift to you will be a Heartland College Sports koozie. Just leave a rating and review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And that koozie will be heading your way in the mail. Thanks so much, guys. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you on Sunday for our bowl game preview podcast. Thanks so much.